Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We promised you three shows this week, and we are going to deliver because we always deliver here on Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, uh, who also is delivering a chance to win $1 million right now. Each week, Kings Hawaiian is pitting two city sliders, mini burgers, right, against each other in the ultimate showdown, and you get to help decide the winner. Vote weekly for your favorite regional slider for a chance to win all season long and earn entries toward the $1 million prize. Explore the interactive stadium to play games, get recipes, share photos, and so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone to enter. What is up, Ryan Talbot? Hey, not too much here. Uh, enjoying the little uh, holiday break that I'm on right now, ready to talk some Bills football. We got a lot to get into here tonight. Um we're obviously, you know, if you, if you watch the or read the headline on this episode, we're going to talk about Trey White. Some uh, really interesting comments this week from Phil Sims. Ryan and I uh, kind of shared Chris. some thoughts. What'd you say? Chris Sims. Yeah. What did I say? Phil, you, you threw out Phil, the old man. Chris. I went to the dad, <laughs> the dad card. My bad. Chris Sims. Um, he has a, a, a podcast. I listen to it every occasionally, but a, a clip kind of went uh, a little viral this week. His thoughts on the Bills defense a little bit the bills running game so we're going to get to those things and talk about that it's gonna be the bulk of our show but i figure we start with you know the uh, what's going on down at one bills drive today the bills practice uh today for the first time in preparations for the cincinnati Bengals. some really big news out of one bills drive mitch morse has cleared the concussion protocol he practiced in full today. Ryan, this is a huge kind of development. It's something that we talked about a couple of days ago about, you know, when we got to Thursday, this was going to be what was on everybody's mind because Mitch, he has, you know, his availability affects so many different people, right? Like Ryan Bates is this really nice piece that you can move in. You can have him play center, ask him to do that. But having him at right guard stabilizes that spot. Mitch Morse is a pro bowl center. It puts everybody in the place that you want, want them gives the bills their best five. And Mitch Morse said today, he is going to play uh, on Sunday or Monday night football against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, it's huge news. And even if you're not talking about it from uh, your best five, just one specific spot, the snaps, Think about the different snaps that Josh Allen has taken when he's had different centers uh, underneath him when it has been Mitch Morris. There have been some that have been low to the left, to the right, high. Mitch Morris is just kind of that model of stability. He's he's always putting it right on Allen. He, he, there's never really seems to be many problems with that exchange over the years. 
Uh, that's huge for Allen in the passing game. That's big for them. Just making sure they're on time with the run game. It, it's big for this team. It's also coming off of one of their best running performances of the season against the Bears because it, as good as that was, it was with, without Morse. And if you can get Morse back in there, plug him in with the rest of this offensive line, I'm really interested to see what they could do on Monday night against the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, the Mitch Moore story is interesting because I think a lot of the concern, and rightfully so, when the injury happened was – all right, what does this mean for Mitch Morris's, you know, future? This is a guy that now six documented concussions, three of those have come with the Bills. So you got to go back to training camp in 2019, his first year with the Bills for the first one. He suffered one in 2020, which was two years ago, uh, in that game against the Patriots. And then it was that weird scenario where he sat out a game, then he was active, but it was almost like he was benched and that kind of whole weird uh, kind of development. Then he went back and started, played pretty well the rest of the season, and we kind of put it on the back burner, right? Like he had two seasons. It's been two seasons now, more than two seasons without any concussions. And so I asked him today, all right, is this something that you maybe, you know, put in the back of your head and, and forget about it? Is it still something you think about? And he said, other than a conversation with his wife that he had when he signed his, his extension, when it's like, hey, this is something that could come up again, probably some conversations about, is this something that we're comfortable doing? And everybody kind of signed off on all sides of things. You, He said you cannot play with, with that at the top of your mind because – it's a violent game. It's a game where to be at your best, you got to be playing with, you know, he didn't, he, he stopped short of saying reckless abandon, but you have to go out there and play a physical style to be successful. And on the play in question, if uh, banged up bills, who does a really great job. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I, I highly recommend it. He pinpointed the play that it looked like that it happened on where he kind of was coming around. I think it was on a run play and he just laid into his block and it was helmet on helmet. And he kind of like shuffled it around a, a little bit. And he said, you knew right when it happened that, all right, I'm concussed. Uh, I'm, I've been in the concussion protocol before. I'm going to be comfortable going through the process. And, you know, um, Deion Dawkins, we were talking to him after the fact, and he, he said that, you know, it was, it was re- kind of something that for the team, they felt good about it, knowing that it was kind of like a mild concussion. That was the words that he used. So for him to clear the, the, the protocol as quickly as he did, the bills and, and, and more seem to have dodged a little bit, of a bullet here for lack of a better term. Yeah. And that's, you know, if it is a mild concussion or if it was a mild concussion, that's great uh, in terms of the severity that they can be, but it, you know, kudos also to Mitch Morris for knowing at that moment, Hey, I know I have a concussion, pull himself out, go into the blue tent, get looked at, go into the concussion protocol. You know, you know, he knows that it's a violent game, but he also knows his health comes first and it's very important to take care of that first and foremost. So glad to see that he has cleared the concussion protocol, that he'll be here for this uh, really important game on Monday night. Um, you know, I can't say it's as important as a playoff game, but truly this this could end up determining whether or not the Bills end up as the one seed in the AFC. So it, it's as big of a regular season game as one can be, Matt. Yep. Um we're going to talk so much about it. Uh, we'll talk. We'll get a little bit into the weeds on that today, but we'll have our preview show on Saturday. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, some other updates uh, today out at practice. Stefan Diggs dealing with an illness. Uh, not clarity on that. So we'll see if he's back in the facility tomorrow. I know some fans were having some fun with the fact that he tweeted a couple days ago that he was cooking for himself during the blizzard. People were wondering if maybe he got a little food poisoning or something. Nobody knows. So we'll, we'll kind of wait and see if he's back in the building tomorrow. He did not practice today. Jordan Poyer not practicing with the knee injury. 
that is more of, uh, I think, kind of the maintenance that we've seen with that injury the last couple of weeks. He was scheduled to talk to the media today. Uh, he was, I, th- I believe he was getting some treatment done or he wasn't in the locker room. So who knows? He didn't talk today. He'll probably talk tomorrow. Uh, I don't think that's a huge issue. Taiwan Jones on special teams dealing with a hamstring injury. And I think that's something that he's kind of, it's been nagging him as well. Uh, he was doing some work off to the side today. But the big news, Ryan, other than Morse, was Christian Benford, uh, the rookie cornerback who whose 21-day practice window now, now still on injured reserve. That's opened up today. He returned to practice, which potentially is going to create quite the conundrum for Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier here, you know, maybe as soon as this week. I mean, I was talking to him after practice today, and I said, what's the process look like? I mean, how far is this until you're able to return? He's like, I'm good. Like I'm feeling good. Uh, I'm feeling straight. I think that was the, the direct quote. So he's really positive that maybe he might be, I got the sense that it's sooner rather than later. Yeah. And that's a good problem to have. If you're the uh, Buffalo bills team, you know, you can never have too many cornerbacks and we're going to talk about Trey white here in a little bit, but they have Trey white. They have Xavier Roach has been a healthy scratch. Uh, Kyrie Elam, who's been a healthy scratch at times this year is Benford obviously Taron Johnson in that nickel position. So they are loaded at cornerback. There's no denying that. It's going to be really interesting to see, though, uh, how they utilize these these cornerbacks over the rest of the season because, you know, Benford's someone that earned a starting job right out of the gate this year, partly due to injuries, partly beating out Kyrie Elam. They want to have him on the field, I would think, come playoff time. So uh, who's going to lose reps? How are they going to rotate those reps? It's something they have to figure out. Uh, Josh Allen was full today in practice, which is always a good thing to see as he's had some, you know, stretches of limited work. Uh, Boogie Basham returned to practice. He missed uh, the last game with the calf injury. Uh, he was limited today. Uh, Dawson Knox was in a red non-contact jersey. He said after the game that he had a little bit of a hip pointer, uh, hit some type of hip issue issue when he fell on that catch early in the game there, uh, fell on his side. He missed a few snaps, but ended up playing the rest of the game. So that's probably, again, kind of a maintenance thing. Uh, I wouldn't t- take that too seriously quite yet. Um, Matt Milano still listed with the knee. Uh, Jordan Phillips, a lot of questions about him today. I think he's just going to be battling through this shoulder for a while, Ryan. It looked like he was super uncomfortable on uh, Saturday. He's listed as uh, limited. So I think it's just something that he's going to have to just deal with, and it's going to be a game-time decision every week if he's you know, feeling good enough to play. Because sh- shoulder injuries are tough, especially when you play on the line. Yeah. Like, there's no way around – not taking damage on that thing over the course of a game. Yeah, you're going to take damage, and you also kind of need it to be close to full strength because you're you're pushing, you're trying to get around offensive linemen. Uh, if it's seriously uh, hampering his play, limiting his play, then maybe it's best to not have him on the field for a week or two and uh, use the rotation some other way, get him healthy for the playoffs. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. If you're watching on YouTube right now, we appreciate you joining us on this Thursday night, a little bit different than normal. Uh, usually we'll be we'll be back on Wednesday night schedule uh, next week, so de- definitely be tuned in uh, for that one. Smash that like button. Subscribe to the show as well. We really appreciate you spending part of your week with us. We'll have more coverage from One Bill's Drive tomorrow. Uh, all right, next up I want to talk a little bit about Tredavious White because, you know, we're now – sitting here um, in week 17 and Trey white has been back. I'm looking it up right now. He made his season debut in the Detroit lions game. So he's played in five games. 
He's started all five, but he's only played um, a heavy amount of snaps in four of those those games. He played 61% against the Patriots, and then it was 100 against the Jets, 100 against Miami, and then 92% of the snaps this past game against Chicago, working himself back into the mix, uh, and now is you know 290 or some odd snaps into this thing. And we were talking about um, a comment made by Chris Sims uh, on his podcast this week. Why don't you why don't you let people know what Sims said? Yeah, so Chris Sims when they were previewing the game against the Bengals said, uh, "If I was a quarterback, I'd pretty much be targeting number twenty-seven, Trey White, on the field." Talking about his struggles as he's worked his way back from this injury. Um, and listen, there's been some ups and downs, Matt, but you mentioned it, 200-plus snaps, 140 coverage snaps, one touchdown allowed, three passes defensed. There's some ups and downs. Uh, I'm not sure I agree with Chris Sims pretty much making it sound like Trey White is an absolute liability out there. I think you're playing a dangerous game if you're going to try to target Trey White early and often, whether it's the Bengals or any other team uh, doing that. But I really am interested to see, one, um, how White looks against this wide receiving staff or crew that the, the Bengals have on Monday night. And two, you know, I, I feel like you've seen him take little steps in his game each week, and it might not show up in the stat sheet, but I'm seeing him play with a little bit more confidence, it feels like. But this is an injury where maybe it's not until 2023 that he truly ends up looking like the Trey White of old. You might be getting a 60%, 65% Trey White right now, but that's still better than a lot of cornerbacks in this league. Yeah, and he has the disadvantage coming in, having to kind of like I know they ramped him up in practice, but there's no, um, there there's no substitute for those real live game reps, and so now you're getting him in here, asking him to kind of come in the middle of the season into the rotation and asking him, you know, to fill great expectations. And I go back to kind of the the whole storyline with Trey going back to training camp, starting working out. Uh, out to the side, like, you know, cameras being able to film his training. And then like all of a sudden, like going into hiding a little bit, right. Yeah. For the rest of training camp, we didn't see him for a while. And then obviously, you know, the season played out and it was a while before he emerged once again. And fans were waiting for him to be ready, waiting for him to be ready. And it's, it's something that just tells you that I, I just think that this thing, this injury, the expectation for guys to, you know, at the speed at which they could come back, coupled with the expectations of where they're at when they do come back, it just doesn't seem to add up. It's, it's different for everybody. I've talked to former players for uh, current and, and former coaches about just different experiences coming back from these injuries. I think it was even Stevie Johnson who said recently that, you know, sometimes coming off those injuries, there's, there's no way to guarantee that you're the same guy that you were before right away, but it's coming. I mean, they, the guy is a tireless Worker, And the thing that I want to push back on Sims about the most is that the Bills don't rely heavily on man-to-man defense in the secondary. So they do at times. They play some mixed looks. You know, I I think Leslie Frazier has played man this year. I don't have the the stats in front of me, but probably more than in some of the years that he's uh, deployed that zone-heavy scheme with McDermott. But there's not going to be a lot of situations where Tredavious White is alone on an island with a guy. Uh, I know he he traveled a little bit with uh, Garrett Wilson against the Jets a couple weeks weeks ago, but I thought that that was 
a little bit of a miss in in that. Now it was just a kind of a snot, like a comment that he just slided in at the end of a, a segment there, and even the coast made light of that. But I think it's also important to, to note the Bills defense as a whole still ranks pretty well against passing offenses. They're going to face one of the best on Monday night in, in the Bengals. But Trey White's only get, been responsible for one touchdown in those 239 snaps that he's played this year. And that's pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, all things considered. That's right, man. And, and you nailed it. They play a lot of zone defense. You're starting to see the instincts come back. He had three passes defense in one game. Uh, he had an interception in his hands against the Bears last week that a teammate knocked out, which, you know, who knows? That might have gone for a pick six had he been able to uh, get that late in the game against Justin Fields. Uh, so I, I'm starting to see him play a little bit better, seeing signs of that Trey White of old, so to speak. You might not get him back to 100% this year, but again, a Trey White at 60, 70, 80% is better than a lot of other options that are currently out there. Um, over on Facebook, Bill Kaniski, he said uh, Tyreek Hill toasted Tredavious White. I don't think you're going to find any cornerbacks in this league that Tyreek Hill hasn't toasted. Yeah. So I don't know if that's the one. Uh, that I'd extrapolate too much off of. And, um, you know, I, I, I think Tredavious White, too, a lot of what he brings is, 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 from the experience standpoint is probably some confidence in that huddle, you know, for a guy like Kyer Elam, who you're probably going to be asked to play a bigger role over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, I was, asked, I was talking to Dane Jackson today uh, about a story that I'm working on for tomorrow. Benford as well. And one of the things that the Jackson said about this week in particular is just like, I kind of tried to ask him about like, all right, you're facing uh, J Jamar chase and T Higgins two kind of elite receivers in their own rights, but very different styles and what kind of goes into facing them. And he said, you know, really it comes down to, and I, I kind of wanted him to say, what did he kind of prefer? Like that big physical receiver, or maybe that you know, more tactical route runner type of guy that wins in so many ways like Chase. And he wouldn't really kind of go that too far down the road there. But what he did say is you got to rely on the film work on both guys because they both have different ways that they win. And who's the most helpful guy in that room when they're working on the film stuff? Elam, Benford, Dane Jackson, Trey White, who's done this mm -hmm. thing since 2017, is an all pro in this league. And his impact on that room go is more than just what he brings out on the field, which I still think, to your point, which I thought was a great one, is that he's still better than most other options that you'd have, even at wherever he's at at this stage. Yeah, at the film room, that's a great point, man. And different positions too, but I'm sure having a Micah Hyde at safety that's not playing right now, he's been a big benefit to the other safeties, to maybe some of the cornerbacks too, because they all communicate with one another. So in terms of the leadership that this team has, uh, the ability to kind of go in there, look at uh, the tendencies that some of these receivers have, it could pay huge dividends after Monday night's game. All right. Um, speaking of paying huge dividends, if you want to get yourself stocked up um, for the winter months here, you want to make a purchase about, you know, that, you know, more looking to a project in uh, the summer, head over to Value Home Centers right now. Click on their weekly ad. This week's uh, came out um, how many days ago now, the 26th. Uh, and they have deals on everything. Your, your storage solutions, uh, you could pick up a an awesome Sterilite uh, super storage unit. They got different uh, compartments, different sizes, different levels, um, all types of different tubs and, and storage uh, options. 
Uh, the weekly ad is one of my favorite reads every week. I don't even need anything usually when I check it out, Ryan, but it's always, uh, I head over to Value Home Centers and just check it out. And you all should do that as well. Where do you want to go next, my friend? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ooh, you know, we had a few different topics tonight. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Do we want to talk? No, let's, let's save it for the previews, and that's an article you're going to be writing soon. Ah. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to do next? We could t- no. The article I'm going to be writing after the show. We can get into that a little bit. I think okay. that's fun. All right. Why not? I, could, I um, saw a comment in here about uh, Bills fans having a soft spot for Tyler Boyd, and uh, I don't know how much longer that soft spot's going to last. So why don't you yeah. tell us a little bit about what he said today? So, so I actually so I retweeted a video of an interview with Tyler Boyd, Boyd that came out of the Bengals locker room today. And the quote that the reporter used was, I think it's going to be um, the game of the year. If you miss this game, you're not a true football fan. It's going to be electrifying. That's what Tyler Boyd said. And that was the first quote in the video. But I kind of hung around, kept listening, and some really interesting (laughs) comments from Tyler Boyd as my wife uh, makes fun of me because – I never do home projects, but I'm always looking for things for you to do, honey. Like I'm always looking <laughs> for deals on everything that value has to offer just to kind of, if anything really like tickles my fancy, like I'll pick it up, bring it home and you can ha- get after it to your heart's desire. She, she loves doing stuff around the house. Um, I think she's about to paint her kitchen actually, which I'm really trying to get her to hold off on by the way, because it's just going to become such a big thing. But that's what home projects are. And if you love them, you love them. That's why you should always head over to Value Home Centers to get yourself set up. All right. So here's what he said. I want to bring it up because I don't want to misquote or anything. He said the Bills defense is kind of basic. They don't do too much disguising. It's straightforward. They don't do all the trickery things that Bengals have seen from a lot of that the Bengals have seen from a lot of defenses. Uh, but they're playing us, so every team prepares differently for the Bengals. However, they and obviously I'm adding the Bengals. He didn't say that part. However, they want to play. Uh, uh, however, they want to play. They're prepared for uh, whatever the Bills want to do: exotic or regular looks, or try to hide the coverage. Uh, he then added that um, the Bills secondary plays well together, but it's not the best that the Bengals have seen this season. Uh, he said we're going to get their best for sure, but I feel like we can win in our matchups. Though, your initial thoughts. Uh. He, he's given the Bills some bulletin board material. That's my first thought. And, and, you know, maybe you don't believe in bulletin board material, but I think that could fire up some players on this team. I think that could fire up some coaches on this team. And, and I don't necessarily agree with him either in terms of the whole basic line. I think the Bills are actually pretty good at uh, hiding, disguising things that they're going to do pre-snap. Uh, and I think they've had a lot of success with that over the years now. Maybe they haven't been able to do it as much this year without Micah Hyde on the that back end. Because, uh, you, you know, you have Hyde, you have Poyer. It makes it a little bit easier to do that. But I still think they're they're a lot more than just a 
kind of basic defense. What about you? Yeah, and I think even as recently as the Miami game, if you were to put on that tape, and I was reading some of the guys, uh, some of the folks that do do that, um, they were doing something schematically where I think Trey White was playing uh, on one side against Jalen Waddell, and they were doing some combination of zone on the other side against Tyreek Hill. And so they they can be multiple, and Leslie Frazier has talked about changing it up in different matchups. But I think the Micah High point is an important one. Without him out there, you know, DeMar Hamlin, Leslie Frazier said it a couple weeks ago, he's just getting to the point where you're feeling good about his communication level out there. And, you know, one of the benefits of the Poyer-Hyde um, combination over the years was that they knew what each other were doing without even having to say it half of the time with the way that they were moving pre-snap. Um, the calls coming from other players. So without that dynamic, I wonder how much that has impacted the way that they're able to disguise things pre-snap. And that could be something that maybe is a bit concerning. We have a super chat here from Thomas Falzone, which thank you so much. He says, go Sabres, who are returning to the ice tonight. Go Bills as well. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays to you, Thomas. Yes. Do you guys realistically think – Micah Hyde can come back this season. I just got in, so you if you've touched on it already, my bad. We have not touched on that in particular. We have talked about it on recent shows. I'm not ruling anything out. Um, I still think it's one of those things that keeps an energy around not only Micah as he, as he prepares and tries to stay involved in things, but also around the team. Like the chance of getting Micah Hyde back at some point, maybe even in the Super Bowl, you know, uh, type of situation if they were to make it that far. That to me is the kind of juice that you you definitely want to keep that. I don't think anybody's trying to stamp out that fire uh, if there is any there. But I still think this is just such a crazy turnaround. I know they said six to nine months was, I, I think, Jeremy Fowler reported that when the injury first happened. You know, he had the surgery in, uh, I think, the first day of October or somewhere around there. So you're talking about at this stage right now, we are October, November, December, we're about to be in January 1st. We're, we're, we haven't even hit the three-month point yet, Ryan. So I think it's everybody heals differently. Every situation is different, but it's one that I think it's it would be quite the development if he was able to come back. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't want to rule it out, but I'm still not sure it's something that can happen based on the initial timeline. But you nailed it. Everyone heals differently. There's different timelines for every player. Uh, we've seen him really putting in a lot of work uh, with other teammates off to the side and things like that. So maybe it's a goal of his to get back if the Bills get to the Super Bowl. Whether or not it can happen, who knows. But uh, it'd be quite the story if that were a possibility. And there's a comment in here. He said it's, it's, he thought he wrote a story that it was four months. Maybe that's the case, right? Maybe four months. There's a timetable that puts this at four months, right? But what's the process of getting back into a NFL football game? Not only an NFL football game, we're not even talking about just a regular ho-hum September-October game. We're talking about the middle of the playoffs when you're talking about the elite of the elite. The game couldn't be moving any faster than it is at that stage. And maybe Micah Hyde in that setting still gives you more than DeMar Hamlin. There's an argument to be made for that. But, you know, we've seen what Trey White getting back on the field after missing an extended period of time. And now he missed a lot of, a lot of time, a lot more you know, months than that would it probably be in a Micah Hyde return this season. But I just think that it's it's a lot to ask and put on the player. And sometimes you got to, I think, you know, we're talking so much about in the NFL world about looking out for players 
you know, uh, health and, and, and the best interest of the player, especially in the, with the Tua story going on in Miami right now, sometimes you have to take the decision out of the player's hands because Micah Hyde even said it in his media availability. He's always going to want to get back on the field if there's any chance. If somebody tells gives him even a yellow light, he is going to wait for green and hit the, the gas pedal all the way down. And so I think it's, it's, it's definitely a tricky situation. Yeah, you would have to have, obviously – the doctor's clearance uh, from multi. I would want to get as many clearances as possible, not just one doctor either. I'd, multiple people look at it. Um, it, it. It's a tricky situation, like you said. It, it, you don't want a player to risk further injury, uh, especially something with the neck area. So is it a possibility, though, going back to the question? It's a possibility. Not shutting the door on it. I, I'm just not sure it's uh, realistic time-wise. Uh, so anyway, back to uh, Tyler Boyd for a second. And I think some players are just a little bit different in in, in how uh, willing they are to go down the road. One of the takeaways, too, that I, that I took from Boyd's comments is he is ultra confident in what the Bengals offense is and what their defense is. I mean, when you have the kind of success that they've had, they went to the Super Bowl last year, they beat the Chiefs, they're on a seven-game winning streak, their offense is one of the best in the league. You know, you're probably looking at this this Bills team, and at times it's been a struggle on offense. Josh Allen's been dealing with that elbow injury. Von Miller's not there anymore. I mean, it probably you probably do see a different version of this, but you know, just hearing his quotes, and I think the last one was talking about how electrifying a team that the Bengals is. It's just they don't need a hype man. I mean, Tyler Boyd right. has got it covered. And, and listen, I think they're a very good team, but. They struggled last week against the Patriots. The Patriots were knocking on the door to win that game uh, before Stevenson fumbled late. So they had their hands full with a, you know, a bottom of the AFC East team. It's not to say that they can't come out and beat the Bills and beat them handily. It's any given uh, day type of league. So anything can happen on Monday night. But this is not the greatest show on turf for either team right now. They both had some struggles. Uh, I think it's going to be a pretty even matchup for what it's worth, and I can't really wait for Monday night to watch it. Yeah, I can't wait to dive into it on the preview show on Saturday. We have so many takes on this game, and I the the national um, pundits starting to weigh in predicting this game. I, I know it's got Bills fans probably a little bit irritated, but uh, I want to get into that a little bit on uh, on Saturday when we do do our preview show. All right, let's go to this last segment, and then we're going to get out of here. Chris Sims said that thing about Trey White at the end of this uh, at the segment um, on, his, on his podcast. The first thing that he said was that uh, under no circumstances are the Bills going to be able to run the ball on the Bengals. Bills have been having a ton of success in their run game the last couple of weeks. I mean, if you could really go back to Detroit, maybe even Cleveland, for them to kind of unlock Devin Singletary a little bit, find almost since they traded for Naheem Hines, they traded for Naheem Hines, got Zach Moss out of the mix. We saw an uptick in James Cook's role, and all of a sudden they're really they they're chugging in the run game, and and Hines hasn't even really been a big part of it. Big part of it is is Hines. I think uh, Aaron Cromer now. You're starting to see the impact that he's made. Uh, months into his first season as the offensive line coach. I think they've been a lot better in what they want to do in that department. What do you think about this, though? Because, listen, the, the Bengals are good against the run. I think they're giving up 106 on the on the ground this season. They got DJ Reader in the middle of that defense. We're going to talk about him on Saturday. I don't think it's impossible. I, I do think that there's a world that the, the Bengals are going to live in not wanting – I mean, if, if you want to shut down the Bills' run game and let Josh Allen get some one-on-one matchups down the field – I think that's an even a more dangerous game to play. 
Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Reader's great. Uh, we'll talk more about their edge rushers who are fantastic. Might not be at 100% for the game, but they're fantastic too. They have a legitimate defense up front. But I can't sit here and say they're going to shut down the Bills' run game uh, because the Bills' run game, as great as it was last week with Devin Singletary and James Cook, it's not just Devin Singletary and James Cook. It's also Josh Allen and the designed runs and the escapability and, and the, the runs that aren't designed where he can sometimes be even more dangerous. Uh, I would not be shocked at all if the Bills had some success on the ground against the Cincinnati team. Uh, between their backs, between their quarterback, throwing a Naheem Hines in there too as their third back. It, it might not be 200 plus yards. I'm not expecting that type of output again from their, you know, from Cook and Singletary, but I really think that uh, 125, 150 yards rushing is a possibility for this team on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a question in here before we get out of here. Uh, should we, the fans, consider Jamison Crowder contributions a pipe dream at this point in the season. Uh, why don't you start it off? Well, I, I guess I'm going to sit here. I'm not going to say yes, but he had a very serious ankle injury, and that's not easy to come back from. Uh, and what's also not going to be easy to come back from is the Bills have not – I don't want to say they moved on from Crowder. He's still part of this team. But they have a lot of other options now. They have Isaiah McKenzie. They have Cole Beasley. They have Khalil Shakir. Come playoff time, uh, John Brown could be elevated every single game. We, we haven't really, you know, th- there's other guys here now. So I'm not sure that it's realistic to expect him to, one, come back from that ankle injury, be ready to play in these meaningful football games come playoff time, and be able to take on a big role just because of the guys that the Bills already have. Yeah, and to me, the Cole Beasley signing – at least in part, even if Brandon Bean didn't say it, felt to me like it was a Jamison Crowder move. Like, all right, we've gotten him working, but we're not comfortable enough with his timeline to where we can get him ramped up quick enough. Like if the timeline puts him back at, you know, to the point where we're not even seeing him really working regularly off to the side of practice with two weeks to go. I mean, how much do you have to get him ramped up to find a, a, a really, you know, sizable role for him? So I'm probably closer to shutting the door on Jamison Crowder's 2022 season than than most. And I think a big piece of that for me is Beasley. And also, there to your point, their willingness to use Shakir, who I think may be making his own strides and earning trust with the coaching staff in various situations. You know, not only as a, as a pass catcher, but as a blocker as well. We've noted that on his in his first game when he missed that block bad. I think it was on a singletary run, and we didn't see him for the rest of the game. That was something you saw in this last game. Uh, Kingsley Jonathan, who was making a couple splash plays, gets a penalty, and all of a sudden he gets pulled. He doesn't play much for the rest of the game. Yeah. There's a very short lease for, for young players for this, you know, Sean McDermott coaching staff, but they do allow guys to earn that trust back. And when they do, and when they earn certain things, they, they get opportunities. So I, I just think there's almost like, all right, you get back to practice if you're Jameson Crowder, like. What's your path to passing over Beasley, who has this unbelievably uh, in-depth, intimate knowledge base of this offense and will now have a head start on you by about a month at least since he's returned to the mix. I almost think this is going to be like there's a real runway to get Beasley more involved. I mean, just watching him in the in the in the locker room today, I I didn't talk to him. Uh, I, I was I had other, you know, uh, people that I wanted to chat with today. I might just check in with him tomorrow, but 
it really was astounding to me. It's like, this is the first time I've seen him just unequivocally happy, like smiling around the locker room. Like, and I'm not to say that that didn't happen. We weren't in the locker room in 2020 and in 2021. So it would have been hard to see it, but just seeing him go to media opportunities, like all that kind of stuff. It always just felt like there was so much weighing on him. And I almost feel like the time away, the circumstances that have brought him back has allowed him to kind of just, you know, take a deep breath and put all of that aside and come back and just enjoy what this is. And that's a big piece of all this too. Like he is beloved in that locker room. And I, I think guys pull for him. And when that happens, if you're Ken Dorsey seeing that, like you want to almost give that guy opportunity. So I know he only had six snaps and we talked about it the other day, Phil money uh, from uh, Rochester, great uh, Twitter follower. He, he, he sends us stuff all the time. Uh, he thought that um, one of the reasons that we probably didn't see Colby's a lot, I thought it was an astute observation. I'll actually read it uh, to you guys because I always love giving uh, smart fans some love on this thing. And he said, um, I think when you talked about Beasley being more involved, I think Shakir blocks better on those sweeps along with Gabe Davis. That might be why he isn't seen as much that pin and pull, uh, but with the guards and tackles, that's my educated guess. Allen has uh, more check down uh, to me to running backs and not so many short routes like he was last year, probably because Crowder has been out again, not looking at stats or advanced stats, just looking at it from my view. And I thought that was a, a good observation. And maybe one of those other things, Ryan, that they can kind of keep in their back pocket. You know what I mean? They they've had all that Beasley success in the past. Maybe you unveil that when the games really start to count. Yeah, that's a great point. And going back to Beasley in terms of how he's appearing in the locker room, you know, getting a fresh start with this organization after how things ended uh, with the, with the coaching staff, with the front office, with the fans. I think that's uh, was big to Cole Beasley in terms of how he wanted to end things in his career because it started so well here in Buffalo and then it had that, uh, you know, rough ending. So it's good to see him in positive spirits. I think when the games really matter and they need that safety valve uh, for Josh Allen, he could come in and, and have a, a significant contribution to the offense. Uh, but when it comes to blocking, yeah, Shakir, I think, is maybe the better option, especially at this point in their respective careers. And there's nothing wrong with having him out there if you're really trying to utilize the run. Uh, if you guys want to utilize uh, savings and really good Get some really good food. Head over to the Tops Carry Out Cafe right now, and they will get you stop stocked for game day, tailgating spreads, whatever you need. Tops Friendly Markets has you covered at the Carry Out Cafe. Hot to go, fresh, large cheese and pepperoni pizzas, fourteen dollars. Jumbo chicken wings, the ten count is only fourteen dollars. Get yourself a Tops Legendary Breakfast Pizza, twenty dollars. Pizza or taco log, six count, seven sixty nine. Baby back rib sections, five ninety nine a pound. Sub sandwiches, wraps, app sides, so much more. Visit topsmarkets.com slash red zone for the complete menu of ready to enjoy fan favorites. Hit us with the final thought, Ryan, before we get out of here. Ooh, final thought. Uh, huge game. Game of the year coming up on Monday night. This will determine the number one seed in the AFC, in my opinion. If the Bills win this, it's clear sailing, even with the Patriots game coming up. So uh, biggest Bills game that I can remember since the AFC championship a few years ago, Matt. Nathan Thomas over on YouTube says, I'm so pumped and nervous for this week and the rest of the season. Let's go bills. Um, I can feel that, that the, the buzz around this, this game, the way that the players are talking about this game, even on both sides, not so much on the bill side, but on the Bengals side, I, I think more than anything, the bills don't want to like give you that, that, 
that that uh, the binoculars in too deep into you know, the feelings around this game. It feels like that massive, massive game. And so we're right there with you. I mean, from a media perspective, these are the most fun games to cover. I mean, we were talking in, even in the uh, in, in the media room about uh, just the excitement level that's going to get ratcheted up on Sunday and Monday. So for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Get back here on Saturday. We are going to preview this game in full. Uh, until then, have a good night, everybody.